Thank you for joining us for the Redemption Church podcast as we go through a series with Pastor Daniel called Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. We've been talking about this series, this sabbatical series, Lessons Learned from a Sabbatical. And so far in this series, it's been really fun, been able to share some God stories with you. I'm going to try to do that again today and look in the context of a question and what we're learning. And, and so far, the messages we've seen are really about abiding in Christ and putting Jesus first. Some pretty basic but profound stuff. You see, when we talk about the sabbatical, it's a Sabbath on steroids. The Sabbath is where we stop work for a 24-hour period, and we delight in God's grace. We delight in God's grace and his mercy and his presence, and we seek him and we abide in him. And part of that grace is just being able to be with God. And so as we were in this season of just being with God, seeking the Lord, he taught me some important lessons that I want to share with you. And we look at these lessons, not only in the context of testimony of what I want to share, but in God's word. And it was a season of stopping, of receiving, of seeking, of being and just enjoying the presence and delighting in God. But one thing I do want to acknowledge is something, a part of the Sabbath that we may oftentimes overlook because it's so subtle, is God created us to work and to respond to his grace with worship. Part of the Sabbath command was the implication of we would actually work. That's part of the command. Now, I'm going to read you the first time the Sabbath was ever commanded because did you know the Sabbath This delighting in God, seeking God is actually a command of God. Just how the Bible says, you know, children obey your parents. You may live long or do not lie, do not murder. There's these 10 commandments when God wanted the nation to be ruled and reigned by him. He gave Moses this law up in the mountain. And in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 10, the Sabbath was actually one of these 10 commandments. You may have heard the 10 commandments. This command to delight and actually just to receive grace was actually on the heart of God so people would enjoy his presence. And he had to remind us and command us to do this. He says this in Exodus 20, verse 8 through, 10, or 8 through 11, the Sabbath command says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or even your livestock or the sojourner who is within you, uh, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And oftentimes we think about Sabbath as the rest for a 24-hour period. But did you catch it? Did you see it in verse nine? He says this, and he reemphasized how God himself did this. It says in six days, you shall labor and do your work. God made you and I to work, to have a purpose, to be image bearers of who he is. And it says, and he gives the example, well, God made everything in six days and then stopped, delighted in his work, And from a place of rest and delight in his labor, he enjoyed. And the Sabbath assumes that we would be people that work and use our gifts and abilities to glorify God and then have a rhythm of rest and enjoying that work and seeing that our work is actually part of God's grace. Now, you may say, well, that's great, but I hate work. Well, I would say you don't actually hate work, you hate sin. 
And that is your spirit testifying to that because work is actually a part of what you are to do and will do for all eternity. You will rule and reign with Christ in heaven. And God gave work to Adam even before the curse. In Genesis chapter two, verses 2.15, God gave Adam work or you can say purpose before sin entered the world. He said, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. It was a part of his purpose, his God-given purpose to work, to have gifts and ability and to create and to manage and to do these things. And it wasn't until sin entered humanity that work became cursed. Genesis chapter three, verse 17 through 19. So because of sin, this world is broken and part of this brokenness affects our relationship as humans to work, that we get things backwards. Sin is a rebellion against God. So we don't put God first and then we actually can idolize work and what we do and finding our identity. And this is why the Sabbath rest is so important because we often find our identity by work, by what we do, not who we are. Workaholics, we do this. And you could say uh, a workaholic could be someone who works 70, 80 hours or it could just be my, my identity is in my mom and the work that I do. Or because I'm really gifted in this talent and I do all this and people know me by this, so that's my identity. God says, no, 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 you're, you're a human being. Your identity is in me. And Jesus came to be redeeming us and restoring us so our identity would be in him. We can often avoid work, though, and take responsibility because we hate it. And the Bible talks about this, laziness, not using our talents or responsibilities. We have a dysfunctional relationship to work because of sin. And because of that sin, there is a curse on our work. And this, in the Sabbath, God addresses both of these issues, this brokenness of our work and our rest, our going and our stopping. God wants us to work, but from a place of responding to his grace, from a place of worship, because we were made to work and we were made to worship. Not for our identity, but from our identity. Not for grace, but from grace. He wants us to stop working so we can receive. So much so, it was in his law that he commands us to stop. Isn't that a weird weird, broken thing. That should tell you how messed up humanity is. It's a command of God that we would stop doing something we hate, like work, just so we can know and trust that God is God. And so he actually commands it to you and I. Stop it. Just understand, trust. I'm God. The world's going to be just fine if you stop working. Enjoy my grace, receive, enjoy the sunset, a good meal, family, friends, all these things, delight in them a good run, working out, whatever it may be, do that and I'll make this day holy. I'll set it apart. I'll bless it because I want you to see that I am the purpose of all this work and you're supposed to work for me, not for your own identity or who you are. And so through the Sabbath and delighting in God's grace, he tells us to work because we're not made to be lazy. We have a purpose. God wants to use us. And through delighting in God's grace, we learn to work from a place of gratitude and worship. And this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. If you think about it, look at Ephesians chapter 2. I'll have the words on the screen. It's verses 8 through 10. Paul would tell us the order of our relationship to work. Because God wants us to work, wants us to do things, wants us to bring him glory through the things that we do. He says, for by grace, which is a free gift, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift 
from God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. God wants us to boast in him and what he has done and delight in him and worship him. But there's not only power in the gospel, there's purpose. Because in verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship, his poinia, his poem, his delight created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. And so our relationship to work is something unique because we're made to do this, but sin enters in and it breaks what we're doing and why we're doing it. And but the gospel comes in and says, but you can have grace and you need to stop and trust that God is God. God gives us grace. And from this grace, we do work and respond. Now through Jesus and his gospel, our Sabbath rest isn't just a single day, but a life of resting in him, responding to his grace. And now whether we're Sabbathing, taking a day off, or whether we're working, the Bible says we could do all things for the glory of God. Because it's all now a response of this gospel, this grace, this worship. And so, yes, we believe in the Sabbath, but we also understand in the Sabbath there's this rule of working. It should bring delight to us to respond to God's grace to work. Just some deep truths for an introduction. We all there? All right. So, let me set up the next question as we think about work and responding to God's grace in the gospel. Some lessons that I've learned. Now, my question for you tonight, and again, I'm asking you a question so you could ponder while I talk, not only lessons God's taught me, but what can he use for you? What can he teach you tonight? The question is this, what is your calling? What is your calling? What does God want you to do? Ever thought about that? With your life, your time, your abilities, your gifts. How does he want you to respond to his gospel, his good news, his grace, his mercy? And I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of listening to God and understanding his will for your life. It's something that I think everyone wants to know about and talk through and understand. As a Christian, he's prepared good works for you to do. But how do we understand this? What's my purpose? What, what do I do? God has called you to do something. Are you listening? Do you know the gifts of grace that he's given you to use for his glory? And what I want to do is help you tonight to consider some things that I spend a lot of time considering, my calling on this sabbatical, spending so much time with God, understanding, God, what do you want me to do? What are the next steps? Are you sure you want me to continue to pastor, be in Delray, do this, do that? These are important things that we should go to God, not just once, but a continual thing that we would go to God to use our gifts to bring him glory. And I want to help you consider the things that I spend so much time on. And so I want to read to you two passages tonight from scripture. Like we'll do, we'll read the scripture, we'll pray, and then we'll study together. The first passage of scripture is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, and then we'll read uh, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 8. And so they're longer passages, but I just want to sort of set the stage and get these principles to you. When we're talking about work, Sabbath, we're talking about resting and working and, and following God, and what does that even look like for you? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. We'll start there and we'll read that together and then we'll go to Ephesians. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He says, for consider your calling. Consider it. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to world standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, speaking of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, because, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now, if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians, Ephesians on your smartphone, another New Testament letter by the Apostle Paul, and he talks about calling as well. Verses one through eight, it says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. But, verse 7, grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. His grace. Let's pray and then we'll examine this topic of calling and listening to God. God, we thank you so much that we can come by your grace to enter into your presence. And we just pray, God, as we Think about our calling and what you want to speak to us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through this time of sharing and teaching. And as we worship you with our attention, Lord, you see all of us and know where we're at and everyone has struggled and thought about, Lord, what do you want? And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach, that you would guide, that you would speak to hearts, that you would give vision and dream and dreams and, and, and guidance tonight through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that's active in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that when we sing songs, they're not empty, that you're with us in our midst. And so we bless your name, we worship you, and we thank you for these truths that you've called us to do great things, that you've predestined us to walk in good works. Help us to understand that and help us to know what to do and how to do it. Holy Spirit, move in a mighty way in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, let's first start with the passage, 1 Corinthians, about calling. And look at this subject from 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. And little context doesn't hurt. As we've been entering into new books, you have to give a little context to know who's actually speaking. This is the Apostle Paul writing to an actual group of people in Corinth, the church, believers. And this letter was full of correction and answered questions. They had a lot of questions, but they needed a lot of correction. Correction, because this church was a carnal church. They were walking in the flesh a lot. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil, our enemies. And our flesh tends to rebel against God. And, and they were rebelling against God and their behavior, not walking in the things of God. They were doing all sorts of things that weren't a part of God's will. Right? We're talking about God's will and what he wants. They were doing a lot of crazy stuff that was actually against God's will. Some examples through this book, well, there was division in the church. They were arguing. Uh, there were, they were following a man and not God, celebrity pastors. They had sexual immorality in their lives. They were, man, they were suing one another, holding grudges. They weren't giving respect to the leadership, including the apostle Paul, which in his second letter, he argues and talks to them about. 
They were abusing the Lord's Supper, getting drunk, and by taking it, not repenting. And they were using their spiritual gifts, these acts of grace, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but not doing it in a lovingly, orderly fashion. Uh, This church, you can say, was a mess. But honestly, I don't really know how far this church is to a lot of churches today. Just a whole bunch of people messed up. That we walk in the flesh sometimes. We, we get carnal and we, we do things that aren't of God's heart and his command. And so Paul lovingly is correcting them and telling them, hey, then you need to do this. And this is how we should do this. And you should repent of this and that. Correction is a good thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that God corrects or disciplines those he loves. And so it's actually a loving thing that Paul is writing to this church and saying, hey, you need yourself grounded. You're doing some stuff wrong. But he's also answering questions and giving them guidance to what to do and how to please God. He's not just leading them be and say, don't do, don't do, don't do. He's like, but you should do this. You you should walk in sexual purity. You should forgive. You should use your gifts in love. And so this is a beautiful thing. It's a huge uh, encouragement because it shows God still wants to guide us even in our immaturity. Even when we blow it or we walk in the flesh, God still has given us commands and wants us to follow him. And one of the first things Paul does to say to this church to correct them is to have them focus on the gospel and their calling. And he says, consider your calling. Consider what you've been called into and consider the gospel. The grace that you've given, verse 26 He wants these believers to grow and to mature by considering the call that God has on their life. That this would be a course, a course, a reminder to them of the gospel that God loves them and he chose them for a plan and a purpose. So when they're off doing their own thing, they're actually neglecting something that God wants them to do. And he's saying, you, you got to understand, God loves you. He has a purpose, a plan for you. You see, the Bible tells us that we've been snatched from darkness into light, that we are sinners saved by grace. And God has called us and chosen us to be saved, and not because we were great, but because he is great. Not on our own efforts and our own work and our, our striving, but because he is good. That's why at the end of this passage it says, let those who boast, boast in who? The Lord. Because in this calling... It's not based on what you have to do. It's remember the calling, praise God, so you can respond and worship him in what you do. And there is a huge difference. God has called us. He loves us. And this text clearly teaches that we are weak, inferior, horrible people at times. What a blessing. It's a blessing to just be like, man, I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I need God. So many people think that's a crutch. It's actually a gift to say, you know what? I am not God. Because most of the time when we rebel or when we try to go on our own efforts, we try to prove ourselves to be something special or to be God, and it's idolatry. And God says, you are not God. Why don't you submit? How did you get saved? Why were you chosen? Was it because you gave certain offerings or acted a certain way? No, you were lost in your sin and I chose you like a loving father. You had nothing to offer. He says, God chose what is foolish. God chose what is weak and low. God chose what is despised. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the church. He's talking about people like you and me. 
that are jacked up, that are messed up, that are lost, and we can find our hope in him and his work that he did on the cross, not our own efforts. And in his love, he saved us by his grace so we would boast in him. And so he says, consider that call. Consider your salvation and the sanctification, the redemption found not in you, but in God through Jesus Christ. You can have this righteousness. And so let me just ask you a question and pause right there before we move on. When it comes to your calling, are you even considering grace? Do you even consider grace? Are you trying to do a whole bunch of good stuff to earn God's favor? Or are you remembering his favor already towards you, that he loves you unconditionally, that he saved you through the gospel because he wants you to do good things so you would thrive, not so you would be saved? Because this is what he's reminding them in chapter 1, before all this other correction, you were loved by God. You can't earn God's grace. You have to receive it. This is important when it comes to our calling because oftentimes our identity comes from our work and what we do, but our identity needs to come in Christ and we need to praise Jesus, not uh, by what we do, but because what God has done. And so God wants us to respond by grace and Paul brings this issue of salvation and grace and says, here's now what I want to give you correction on, what the will of God is, so you know the motivation that you're loved and you should be pleasing God by these things. Our calling doesn't just stop with a prayer. We, have, we, have not, we need to not only consider our calling of salvation for pure motives, but we need to consider our calling to move forward from salvation. And so God gives us purpose and specific things to do. And this is why throughout this book, there is direction. There is answered questions. There's, hey, do this and do that. You know, the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a guide unto my path. Well, you can actually look to God's word and actually get things that God would say, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And this is where we look to this other passage. So he's grounding us in God's word, the gospel. He says, consider this calling in the gospel and the grace of God. And then in Ephesians 4, he says it in a different way to a different church. Now, the church in Ephesus was more of a mature church. Paul had spent a lot of time in that church. A planted church. Timothy, his spiritual son, was pastoring the church there. There was a lot of spiritual fruit and growth. But he does sort of the same thing. And he does grounds them in the gospel. Because Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about God. They're all about the gospel. Like we read in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace. Through faith, not a work of ourselves that no one should boast. That's in Ephesians chapter two. In Christ, all spiritual blessings, chapter one. In chapter three, he just keeps on going on and rooting you, rooting you, rooting you, rooting you, rooting you in the gospel. And then he says in chapter four, verse one, therefore. Now, every time you see a therefore, you say, what is it therefore? It's because of the gospel and who God is, do this. Not, I have to do this to get the gospel. He's already explained three chapters of in-depth theology of who God is and how he gives grace. And now he's saying, would you please now receive the calling you've, you have from God? Paul urges them now to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Are you walking in the manner worthy of our Not only are you considering your calling, but now are you taking what God has spoken to you and are you walking worthy of that calling? You know, God gives us a way to walk. He gives us guidance. He gives us a manner to go. God has given us all spiritual gifts. In verse seven, it says these gifts are given 
to you through Christ as a spiritual gift or by his grace, each according to his grace. We have different gifts, different callings, but God has given us some abilities to do things for him to bring him glory. And this is why Paul says there's only one body. There's one spirit. There's a call on your life, but there's one God. See, God can speak to you and can speak to you totally differently, but there's only one Lord. There's only one Christ because he acknowledges our callings are all different, but they're all from God who gives by his grace. And so we're not only to consider our calling, but to walk in our calling that God gives us. And we do this in response to God's grace and direction. And this is where it takes some work on our part as human beings to seek the Lord for his specific direction and calling for our life. Isaiah 55, six says this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We are to seek God believing that he can be found. And he is a God that is alive and guides and directs us. And this is what we did on our sabbatical. We sought God. We took extra time to seek God, to be in his presence, to pray, to read his word, to be renewed and refreshed, and to continue to do the things God's called us to do. And what I want to share with you is briefly my experience of how we did this. How we did this. Because I find that a lot of people don't even know how to start finding the will of God for their own lives. You probably, even if you walk with the Lord for three months or 30 years, you're still asking, God, what is my will? What is your will for my life? Well, what do you want me to do today? It's a continual question as a Christian that we continue to ask God because the Spirit continually works. But often people struggle with the how. Well, what does that look like? Because all of our callings are different. I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to teach. But there are some things that we can do altogether that the Word of God says to consider our calling and to walk worthy in our calling. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but rather just some lessons I learned and things I did on my trip that you can try as well. And the first thing I want to talk to you about when listening to God for the will of God and your calling is this. Just be intentional. Be intentional. You have to make the decision to actually carve out time and to seek God. We have verses that tell us to seek God. But this will include you to make a decision to walk by faith and to have some sacrifice, to actually put forth the effort. Now, I don't remember how long it was because we got a little bit delayed because of COVID-19. You guys know about that whole thing. Um, it sort of readjusted all of our plans, but it was quite a few years before we even took a sabbatical that we decided as a board and leadership to take a sabbatical. You see, part of my calling as well is to minister to pastors and leaders. And uh, so many times I've talked to people that are get burned out and they have to take a sabbatical because it's a, it's a bad thing. But I wanted to proactively take a sabbatical so I wouldn't have to take a sabbatical. I wanted to proactively seek God and pursue him like our mission to pursue and proclaim Jesus from a healthy place and in obedience to know our calling and to seek him and to strengthen and be guided by him. And so we just made the choice to do it. We're going to be intentional. Every seven years, we're just going to go on a sabbatical, make the time to do it. And let me just tell you, there was a lot of excuses not to do it. There was. I mean, look at us. We're a small church. 
Who's going to teach? Who's going to lead the church? Who's going to do worship? What about our church finances? What will people think? Well, where would we even go? What will we even do? What does that look like? There were so many questions and different things, but there was a decision made that said, we are going to do this. We're going to be intentional and we're going to commit. But in the end, we made a decision to seek God. And in the end, you have to make a decision to seek God as well. That's the first step. Many times when people talk about the listening to God or the will of God, they forget. They just start going and doing stuff rather than in their heart motivation saying, but I believe God can speak and I'm going to seek him by faith. And that will take faith. That will take sacrifice. For you and your calling, you got to be intentional. You got to make time. You got to make sacrifice. You got to set out by faith to seek God. Because my friends, there will be many excuses. There just will be. Well, I'm just so busy. Well, Sunday nights really don't work for me. Well, there's this and there's that. You know what? Instead of waking up in the morning extra early to read the Bible, like I could really use that sleep or maybe I should work out or eat healthier. You know, Facebook, social media, what? Squirrel, huh? There's just so many distractions. And you're gonna have to make the decision to be intentional. And that is a biblical thing because you ultimately have to decide. Decide whom you will serve. As far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Isn't that what Joshua told the nation of Israel? In fact, when David was transferring the kingdom to his son Solomon, he told him in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 19, now set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. He knew his time had come and he was dying, but he said, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God may be brought into a house and built for the name of the Lord. David was saying, listen, you got to seek God for yourself and do these things that he's commanded you to do. I've even set you up, man. I've got all this vessels of gold and silver and everything, Solomon, but ultimately you got to do it. If you're not seeking God, that's on you because God will never leave you or forsake you. His presence is with you. Just as the prophet Daniel decided in his heart to follow God, Daniel 1a, he said, I made a commitment to follow the way of God. You have to make a commitment. Do you want to even hear from God? Be honest. Because if you don't, you should maybe start by just asking God to give you a change of heart. To say, God, I, I want to seek you. I don't even feel like it. I don't even know if I can do it. I want to know my calling. You got to make the commitment to see God, to be intentional about it. Make a commitment to fast. Make a commitment to read the Bible. Make a commitment to come to Sunday services, to set your alarm 15 minutes early, to just whatever that spiritual discipline may be. And so you may say, okay, I'm going to make the commitment, but where do I start? And I would say this, number two, after you're intentional, go to God's word. Go to God's word. We believe that God's word is spoken by the Holy Spirit, that God is a God that speaks, and when he speaks, he brings forth life. Like I mentioned earlier, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is alive and active, and it directs us. It reveals the nature and character of God, and God reveals his general will through it. God wants us going to his word and speaks to us by the power of the Holy Spirit to from his word. That's why every Sunday night we go through God's word. We want to hear what would you have for us, Lord? 
What is your nature? What is your guidance? He reveals his nature and character and he gives this to us through his word. And so that's what I did. I went to God's word. In the sabbatical, I did something I never did before. I read the Bible chronologically. It was just awesome for me. But it wasn't just awesome because I read it. I read it so much and so quickly. I had 93 days of sabbatical, three months. And in that time, instead of going to my phone, like I talked about, the, the, the busyness and the distractions, I wanted to go to God and seek him. And so as much as humans touch their phone and go to these things for distractions, I wanted to say I want to be in the moment and presence of God and go to in prayer, silence, and reading God's word. And so I just decided, you know, I'm going to try to read the Bible, the whole thing. And not only read it, I'm going to study this joker. And so I spent hours upon hours just studying God's word. Like 90 days, reading the whole Bible, journaling it all out, seeking God. In fact, some people close to me were actually surprised. They said, you're not going to read any books or bring any of those things? Because they know that I love reading. And God can speak through community and other people. And in those things, but for me... I knew I wanted to reaffirm my calling and hear from the Lord, and there is nothing better than God's word. And so I was going to make a commitment and try and challenge myself to seek God. And praise God, I was able to read through the entire thing. I was like, man, I don't know a lot of this stuff. This is crazy, and this time, and this story, and that's in the Bible again. It's just amazing. And God just was able to minister and build faith, like he says. God does build your faith through his word. Because God reveals his revelation through it. And we can know a lot of God's will in his word. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable. You could find the will of God in the word of God. You can find the will of God in the word of God. And so if you want to discover the word, the will of God for your life, start going to the word of God which we know the Holy Spirit has inspired and told us and given us direction. We know that there is general revelation of what God wants for people's lives and the redeemed and those that's saved. Things like preaching the gospel, loving people, living in sexual purity. There are so many different commands and orders and principles and precepts in God's word that can direct you for your life. And so you gotta go to God's word. Start there, but then you're going to have to continue to go on because God's word is a general revelation and speaks to a lot of people, but there's a specific calling for you. And so you got to, number three, take time to pray. You got to take time to pray. Now, prayer is simply asking and listening to God. It's conversational. You're spending time with him. When it comes to your calling, you got to ask God for revelation. You have not because you ask not. Ask God for revelation. David said in the Psalm, Psalm 25, 4, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Psalm 143, verse 8, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. There is nothing wrong by you just asking God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do with my life? Can you reveal these gifts? It is totally fine and normal to ask God to speak to you specifically in prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because in prayer, we not only ask and talk to God, we also listen to God. And we hear the things that he has for us. You see, the Bible, in a sense, is the general will of God. 
revelation for all of us, such as giving him glory, making disciples, loving people, and so forth and so on. But we also believe in the specific will of God found through the Holy Spirit, that God speaks to us, and he's able to speak to us, to our hearts, through his word, through others, through prayer, and we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit of how he guides us. Now, I do think that we all just wish God would speak audibly, don't you? Like there would be a cloud and he would just sort of like, you would know the sun would open up and there would be a voice and it would be like, do this, marry this person, bam, get a job here. It's pretty awesome. Like, and God does speak audibly, but it's very rare. I've only heard God's audible voice two times in my life. That's it. Where I actually was like, what, where, huh? And I'm hearing something like go to Delray Beach or plant a church and plant churches. That's it. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't speak. It just speaks in a different way. He speaks to our spirit. He speaks in a still, small voice, something where we have to have intimacy and close with him. It's sort of like that passage where Elijah the prophet in 1 Kings 19, where there was all this stuff going on. There was, there was an earthquake. There was thunder. There was all these things that were loud. And you would think, well, that must be God. That must be God. That must be God. But it says God wasn't in there and God wasn't in the earthquake and God wasn't in the mountains. And then all of a sudden it was this still, small voice and there was intimacy. And when Elijah was close, God spoke like a whisper. And so we can communion with God. His spirit speaks to our hearts and we start to recognize God's specific voice and direction for our life. And this takes a little bit more work because we have to discern the spirits. We hear a lot of different things. 1 John 4, 1 says, discern or test all spirits. Just because you hear something or you think something, could it be your emotion? Could it be your upbringing, the culture? What does that look like? And it takes work to actually seek God and listening to God. But that's a part of the process because God wants us close. He wants us listening to him. And there are times when the spirit of God will just speak and confirm things to you in prayer. Like Colossians 3.15 says, it says, man, be ruled or let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. I was telling another couple in our church this week that there are sometimes red flags. You just can't explain it. There's this gift of discernment where you want to go this way, and it's like even in Acts, Paul wanted to go preach the gospel, which is a good thing in Asia, and the Holy Spirit said, nope, don't do that. And you're like, what are you talking about? That's, that's actually in the Bible. Like, what? No, no. And nope. And then God directed him through a vision to go this way. God directs his people and gives us red flags and guides us through community and counsel. And, and we have to be take time in prayer to listen and to discern. And as I was taking time to pray on the sabbatical, God did speak softly in many ways. You know, I remember I was in the middle of the lake, our last place in Maine. Our, our sabbatical, we went up to a lake all the way to Maine and then just come down. So we were like all the way up in the lake house in Maine. They were about to come down. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I was a little sad, okay? I was living the dream. It was like we were eating, you know, clam strips and I didn't, I didn't set an alarm the whole summer. It was amazing, okay? And it was like, okay, now we're gonna go back to the real world in a sense. We're coming back down this mountaintop. And so I'm, 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 I'm praying and I'm trying to thank God and, and just give him thanks for you know, celebrating what he did and already how he spoke. And he spoke two different things to me in my life. And they're very unique. One, he gave me encouragement and I just felt like he said, listen, more blessings are coming. More, you don't have to be sad. 
If you follow me, more blessings will come. And I was like, okay. And it really changed my attitude and atmosphere and made me excited to come back because it wasn't the sabbatical that did it. It was God that did it. And God was coming back with me. Makes sense. The other thing was a really weird thing, though. I felt like he told me to go to Washington State to visit my parents. Okay? I was like out of nowhere, just boom, dropped in my mind, go, go to Washington State to visit your parents. And I was like, okay, that is weird. Like, are my parents going to die? Like, what's happening? We're getting COVID. Like, what's going on? It was not planned. And maybe you guys didn't even know. I actually spent a week in Washington State visiting my mom and dad, my family, um, my last week of the sabbatical, flew there by myself, unexpected. So I called them, my parents up and said, hey, I want to come and see you. Great, come on over. I didn't tell them I felt the Holy Spirit was telling me to visit them. I just went. Because the Bible says we discern all spirits. And I was like, well, is this just selfish? Do I just want to leave, you know, and milk this sabbatical thing? Is this my flesh? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't really know. And so I go, and I felt like in prayer, God said, your dad is going to give you a direction and encouraging word. That's something I had been praying for, that God would speak and minister not only through uh, visions and his word, but through community. Because that's how often God speaks, but I had to listen through prayer. And so I had already gotten a, a text message through another pastor who's retired that didn't even know I was on sabbatical and sent me a text that said, the Lord's pleased in what you're doing, and he's going to minister you in a powerful way. So he didn't even know what I was praying, and he just sent me that, and I was like, this is awesome. And so I, I felt like I was to go, and God would speak through my dad and minister something to me. But here's how I tested it. I didn't tell my dad or my mom nothing. I didn't say, oh, I'm going, I need a confirmation. I just, hey, this is of you, God. Let's just see. We're testing spirits. We're hearing. We're, we're, we're walking by faith. Is his feelings? Is his faith? Whatever. And so I was listening, and I was in the moment, and God, it was like at the very last day, God spoke to me through my dad in a situation, and immediately I knew that was God. And he just confirmed so much stuff. And then I get up here and I say, God spoke to me on a lake. See, because what I want you to understand is when you're listening and praying and discerning spirits, usually it's about a 50-50 chance. Usually even mature Christians are like, I think that was God. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. And then we have to test it and know and see, discern and is it a match the word of God? Is it biblical? Hey, can you give me some counsel and advice and listen to the spirit and in prayer and being like, okay. But I will tell you this, as you walk with God, God gives you those confirmations and then that's how you know it's God's voice. That's how I know God will still bless me as I follow him because although I don't have a confirmation for the first thing he said, God clearly made it evident for the second thing he said. And so that same voice that said, go visit your parents, panned out, and he worked and used. And that's how I know, okay, that first thing, I know that was God's voice. That just wasn't me. That wasn't just wishful thinking. And so that's how you're going to have to discern and listen to the Holy Spirit when he directs you. Because listen, there is no Bible verse on who you should marry. I had to fast and pray for that. There is no, no Bible verse of what career or job or where you should live. You got to fast and pray for that. And there needs to be confirmation and you need to know, okay, this is how God speaks to me. And oh, okay, yep, he's did that in the past. He's gonna be faithful in the future for these things. And so oftentimes you need confirmation and God will give you that. 
But as you walk with God, you step out in faith and you start recognizing the voice more and more and more as you just pray and as you listen, as you pray and as you listen. And God's spirit directs you because he's alive. The gospel says your sins have been forgiven, that you can have a relationship with God and he dwells inside of you. And there are promptings of the spirit that he gives. And so we need to be intentional to make a commitment. We need to be in God's word. We need to listen to the spirit and take time to pray. And the last thing is this. I would just say this. Get away with God. You need to do it. You know, Mark chapter six, verse 31 says this. Jesus was with his disciples and he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had not leisure even to eat. You know, in this text, Jesus recognizes the busyness of life and invites his disciples to just come away with him. Just be with me. Hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. You're so busy, you can't even eat. This is a good time to just spend with me. Now, what's ironic that I think is Jesus invites his disciples because it should be the other way around. We should be begging the God of the universe to make time for us. Like, he's the one that's doing everything and working, but yet in scripture and in our lives, he invites us. He's like, I got time for you. Let's do this. I've made a way on the cross. I want to be with you. I've even demonstrated that love. I'm inviting you like passages like Matthew 11 where he says, come to me all who are weary and lady hard. Come, come and join, find rest. Or, or like Isaiah 55, seek me. Chronicles even. He said, David said, seek the Lord, seek his presence continually. God invites us and oftentimes it is us that are so busy in our work, in our doing, that we don't even have time to Sabbath or rest in his delight in his presence and the gifts he's given us. And it's so crazy. But often, we need to stop. We need to be intentional. We need to seek God in his prayer and his word and community, and we just need to get away with God. And this is what happened to us. As you get away with God, you're refilled and renewed and strengthened and God used our time away to just minister to us, to be out of our routine and just focus on him. I wrote in my journal when I was at Anders Island, how I last mentioned this last week, um, just that time I spent away with the Lord, I put, creation is so good for the soul. The grounds help facilitate peace and the beauty of God. It brought joy to be here and just look and enjoy God's presence. Oftentimes, getting away and getting in a different place or a context helps facilitate meeting with God because there are less distractions and we can focus. You remember that passage with Jeremiah. He would, God would tell Jeremiah the prophet, go to the potter's house and then I'll teach you something. He could have just used the illustration like, well, there's a potter and there's clay and the potter does what he wants with the clay. But he said, no, go there so you can be focused. Where is a focused place for you? Is it a certain chair in your house? Is it a sunrise at the beach? Where can you go to focus to get away with God so he can teach you some things? You know, oftentimes, if you don't do this, God will bring trials in your life so you'll be focused. We sure do seek him during trials and seek his will, don't we? He wants that focus. He wants that attention. He invites us to go. He knows time spent with him is well-spent time. And so I would tell you, just get away with him. Go to Jesus as Jesus went to the Father, like Luke 5.16 says, he went often to desolated places to spend time in prayer and be with the Lord. 
Get out of your routine. Make a special time to meet with God. And that's what a sabbatical is all about. Right? Seven day week. Six days you work. Seventh day you stop and rest to lighten God's grace. It breaks up the routine. It's holy. It's something special that God gives as a gift so you can receive. You can easily take a retreat, a day away, simple time at the beach, fellowship, going to a service, but what will you do to go and seek God and get away with him? And so four things that I learned and I practiced to just know the will of God. It's almost like too simple. Like what, just be with God? Yeah, just be with God. Commit, go to his word, prayer, have fellowship, discern the spirits, get away with God. And as simple this is, it's profound. And of course, there's more. There's other details and there's things in God's word that tell us to do. There's spiritual disciplines that we'll talk about next week. But for right now, just make the commitment. Just know that you can be with God. And you know the Bible says that when believers get together in church in a service, they're to celebrate God's grace. That we can know his presence. The gospel says that we were all sinners and we're saved by grace. Not what we did, but what Jesus did on the cross. He died for our sins and three days later he rose again. So we would have access to actually go before the throne of God, receive mercy and have that boldness. And he says, when you come together, as often as you do, remember it's about his grace, not what you can do. And so I think it'd be a good thing to just, as we close this service, talking about what is my calling to seek God and seek his grace and to remember he loves us, consider our calling, this gospel that we can have a relationship with him and then just through song and prayer, ask God, God, would you just speak to me? Would you just guide me? I know that I've been living for you and and maybe I've been off track or I don't know or maybe I'm having this situation I need wisdom on. Bible says we can ask for wisdom and his presence There's fullness of joy. He makes known the pathway of life. We can seek him tonight. And so let's pray and let's sing a song or two and take communion together. God, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that we can seek your will. We wanna listen to you, God. We thank you for your word, how you speak. And we trust, Lord, your spirit is with us even now as we sing and take communion and just wait upon you, Lord. We wanna build our lives upon your work, upon what you have done. So we ask, God, that you would give revelation, that you would minister and do what only you can do. And as we just stop and reflect and take time uh, seeking you, God, do a special work. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, just for being alive, not only dying, but rising again. And we celebrate that, Lord. We celebrate that, Lord, that we can come into a relationship with you by your grace and know that there is an abundant life found doing your will on this earth. And so we pray for your will to be done on earth and it is in heaven. We thank you for the joy of our salvation that we can, don't have to do a lot of work, Lord, but to believe by faith and receive the gift of salvation. So we remember all of this and Lord, just through the spirit, just speak to us, guide us, get all these things together and give us revelation, Lord. We love you and we praise you. We bless your name. And it's in your name we pray, God. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. 
God bless you.